This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Why have I missed you so much? Amen and amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and give God some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all you're set to teach us this evening. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I'm very time particular. Pastor Kojo, I'm seeing 49 minutes there. That's more for one nine. It's 49. <laughs> it's 49. Zero eight to the normal... The normal waiting. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> you know, in Portugal, you can't chance us. <laughs> you can't chance us. <laughs> Amen. I want to say this. Um, the past couple of days, I actually have been very overwhelmed with um, gratitude to God. Um, I want to thank you for Wafbeck. Thank you for inviting me to Wafbeck. I'm a, I'm a homemaker. I'm the kind of person that likes to stay where I am. And I like my church. I like to stay in my church. And when Fresh G started 25 years ago, I thought that was it, you know. That's how God wants to take the word out. I knew God had wanted the word to go out. And I'm also more comfortable preaching with people I know. So I turned down invitations and all that. But something happened with Wafbeck. And after Wafbeck, I've preached for more people I don't know. <laughs> That's the one thing. The second thing, and I'm giving thanks to God, but also thanking you because sometimes God speaks and people, people don't follow and do what God asks them to do. When my kids were very young, we spent literally every year vacation in the U.S., but we will start our vacation at the Great Lakes Believers Convention in Wisconsin and go listen to the, the preachers there and from there we then go and do the Disney and all of that. That's how we raised our girls. And at Great Lakes, two of the preachers we really loved to listen to, Emeka and I, were Jerry Savelle and Bill Winston. Tomorrow. <laughs> this girl from Portacot. We drop mic, and be Winston, we pick mic. <laughs> if you don't have sense, you will say thank you. But me, I have sense. So I really honestly give God praise. And I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. Because my Father in the Lord, I've had only one father in the Lord, Pastor Charles Amofma. He believed a lot in me, more than I believed in myself. And I believe he saw days like this. 
and there will be even greater days. Amen. Amen. Now let's lift our hands and give God some praise some more. <laughs> amen and amen. You see why it was important to set the time. I spent three minutes doing that. If it was 49 now, I would have now been at 40. Very dangerous. <laughs> so, the sound of many waters. When I heard that theme, I said to my associate pastor, Pastor Paul, you don't give us an exam. <laughs> you know, there's some themes that you get, and like glory or breakthrough. You understand? That kind of theme, you just scatter the place. Sound of many waters again. So I had to go to Jesus. <laughs> And ask him, only you can tell me what to say about this thing. And I believe he answered me. Amen and amen. amen. So do we have our pens and papers ready? Yes. All right, what's sound? Sound is defined in three main categories. One, physical or scientific, which is vibrations that travel through the air or another medium, and those vibrations are heard when they reach somebody's ear, right? I'm not going to go into the physics of it, but normally those periodic vibrations sent through the medium displaces the medium from its equilibrium state, so there's a vibration and that sound, right? Physics people, yeah? Yes. Second is mental. That's a physical definition or scientific. Second is mental. Mental is when you say things like, I like the sound of that, or that sounds good. True? Did you really hear something? No. But what you heard created some kind of an image, and you liked the sound, and you liked the sound of it. Now, the third is when God speaks to his children, that's a sound. And I believe that's more of what we're going to focus on today, when God speaks to his children. Let's read two scriptures quickly now. Let's read um, Revelation 14, 2. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. Ezekiel 43, 2. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice was like the sound of many waters. His voice was like the sound of many waters. So there are sounds that come from the Father. There are sounds that come to us, his children. God is speaking. God has been speaking these last three days of Wafbeck. God is still speaking. And God will keep speaking to us even when Wafbeck is over. So the question is, do we know when God speaks? Do we hear when God speaks? Can we discern those sounds when they come to us. And that's the topic of my message, discerning the sounds. Are we able to discern these sounds? There's no point if I'm speaking and you can't discern either that I'm even speaking at all or you can't discern what I am saying, discerning the sounds. We're going to use this text. And this text is an interesting text. And when I read it, you probably wonder, what are we talking about here? First Corinthians 14 from verse 6. But now, brethren, 
If I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit to you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks. And he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. This scripture in context is talking about speaking in tongues, right? And how this should be done in public places. But that's not what we're going to be doing with that scripture. We're going to be looking at that scripture, should I use the word metaphorically, prophetically, symbolically, any way you want to look at it. That's what we're going to get out from that scripture. So we're not talking about speaking in tongues in public places today. But there's a lot in this scripture that will help us learn how to discern the sounds that God is sending to us. Somebody turn to somebody else and tell them, God is speaking. God is speaking to you. God is speaking to me. Can you discern the sounds? Glory be to God. So these sounds are proclaiming the word of the Lord. They're establishing the glory of God. They're confirming the presence of God. But there are sounds coming from God. Let's go to our text now. We talk about discerning. First of all, discern means to recognize, to find out. It literally means to make out something clearly. We need to make out clearly what God is saying. It gets very frustrating if you are talking and the people you are talking to are not making out clearly what you're saying. Go back to verse 7 now. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? A, that's the first point, A, every sound is distinct and different. Every sound is distinct and different. If I ask the people on the, at the band there to touch the keyboard, that would be a sound. You know that's a keyboard. If somebody else comes with a bass guitar, that's the bass guitar. No matter how musically daft you are, you will know a guitar <laughs> from a keyboard. If somebody drums, touches the drum, that's a drum. You may not know a difference from the bass guitar or rhythm guitar, but somebody who knows music will know. So every sound is distinct and different. And you know, when sounds pass through the atmosphere, what actually identifies the sound is the fundamental frequency of the sound. So every sound is different because it has a fundamental frequency. So if we say that God speaks to us, it means that when God speaks, it's fundamentally different from the way anybody else speaks, right? If God speaks, is different from the way the enemy speaks. And Jesus had that confidence. Because he said in John 10, I don't know, verse 2 or something, he said that, look, my sheep, they know my voice. The voice of a stranger, they will not follow, they will not listen to. So he knew there was a distinct difference between the voice of the Father, 
the voice of the son, and the voice of a stranger. Every sound is distinct, and every sound is different. The question is then, what is the difference? What makes the voice of God, what makes the sound of God fundamentally different from the sound of the enemy? Let's go back to our text, 1 Corinthians 14, and look at verse... Look at verse 6. Verse 6, yes. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit to you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Look at verse 7. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound... Unless they make a distinction in the sound, how will it be known what is piped or played? If you just read a verse, and the next verse says, even things without life, can we conclude that what was talked about before were things with life? Huh? Look at it again. What shall I profit to you? Either by, if I speak to you, either by revelation, by knowledge, prophecy, and teaching, even things without life, whether this or this, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? So there are things without life, but there are also life-giving sounds. There are also what? The fundamental distinctive frequency of any sound from God is life. The fundamental separating, dividing, identifying frequency from any sound from God is life. Whether it's a rebuke, whether it's correction, whether it's exhortation, whatever it is, the fundamental frequency is life. God is in the business of life. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. If they hear me, I give them life. John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The words I speak to you, they are what? Spirit and they are life. The word of God is living, quick, alive and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. If it comes from God... The fundamental, distinctive frequency is life. Anything, any sound that comes from God comes to give you life. How does he primarily communicate these sounds to us? B, God communicates these sounds of life to us in four main ways. God communicates these sounds of life to us in four main ways. Go back to that text. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Unless I speak to you, we found out now, speak to you in life, with life, either by what? Talk to me. By what? Knowledge. By what? Prophesied. And by what? Teaching. God 
is speaking. And God is sending his sounds in four main categories. Revelation, apocalypse, disclosure, spiritual insights into his plans and purposes, knowledge, gnosis, it's the science. Somebody says, why science? Well, science is when you have an organized body of information that has been tested. So look at the interesting thing about God's sounds. It is spiritual revelation, but it's tested and systematic. Spiritual does not mean jagbajanti. Spiritual does not mean it cannot be tested. Don't come and tell me you have a revelation and you get jittery when I want to put the integrity test through it. God is speaking in Apocalypse. God is also speaking in Gnosis. Prophesying, prophetia, what is that? When you speak authoritatively based on the word of God. Doctrine, what is doctrine? Didache, that is when you are teaching, instruction. So don't tell me you're prophesying do you know anybody can stand at a pulpit? Do you know, by the way, that Satan uses pulpits? Okay, you didn't know. You can have a pulpit in a building with white chairs and a generator, and Jesus is not there. That doth not a church make. You rent a community hall, buy 50 white chairs, build a pulpit, get a generator and PA system, does not tell it me that Jesus died there. <laughs> Even Satan uses pulpit. Sometimes the false prophets talk more authoritatively than the true ones. That is why doctrine is there. Prophesying, but it's balanced by doctrine. God speaks to us in four main categories. And when you despise any of these categories, you despise the word of God. Everybody say apocalypse. Say gnosis. Say prophetia. Say did I care? Don't let your mouth not catch you. <laughs> but it says there, it says, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you? So your advantage lies in these sounds. You didn't hear me. Your profit, your advantage lies in these sounds. Any sound from God that will profit you and be an advantage to you will come in one or more of these ways. Check it. Check it. If it doesn't align with doctrine, it might be a prophetic word. It's revelation from the scriptures by the Holy Spirit. It's knowledge, information, gnosis. It will align with that if it's going to profit you. And like I said, if you despise any of these sounds, I don't too like all these doctrine things. You know, I don't really like it. No, you can't. You can't not like it. If you love God, you will like it. Amen. Amen. No matter how emotionally satisfying and excited you get at a sound, if it's not any of these four sounds, check it. 
Hello? I said, hello. I said, check it. There's one sound that is missing from these four sounds. There's one sound I didn't see there. Should I tell you what sound that is? The sound of miracles. I knew I would get silence, so it's good. I believe in miracles. I am a miracle. But I didn't see sound of miracles there as a primary way God talks to his church. Do you know why? Do you know why? With sounds, there is a fundamental frequency and then there are harmonics. When you hit the fundamental, there are harmonics. Miracles are harmonic. Miracles will come as a function of the fundamental. You get the apocalypsis, you get the gnosis, you get the prophetia, you get the didache, the miracles will come. Any church, any believer that pursues after miracles primarily will be deaf to the sounds of God. How can you pursue harmonics? In fact, you know, when you hear say Nigeria a cruise, it's actually one big cruise ship. Let me give an example of Nigeria being cruise. The DG, the, what, whatever he's called, the Oga at the top of Nepa, probably has the best soundproof generator in his house. Let me cruise with that. <laughs> now cruise. How can you be the ogre at the top of Nepal? And I'm sure I'm sure I will find the best quality soundproof gen in your house. You're laughing. That's what you look like when you chase after miracles. Now you carry the power. Now you generate the power. Now you get the biggest generator. So not be just Nigeria and a cruise. The body of Christ on the cruise too. And we should wake up. I believe in miracles. God has anointed people to have miracles. But let me tell you where the sound of miracles comes. The sound of miracles comes from the church to the world to draw them to the gospel. That's where it's fundamental for them. For you, it's harmonics of the revelation. It's harmonics of the prophecies. It's harmonics of the doctrine. It's harmonics of the knowledge. When you know it, miracles will be normal way of life for you. You won't only be receiving them, you'll be generating them. Every sound is distinct. Every sound is different. God speaks to us primarily in four main categories. Revelation, knowledge, prophetia, and doctrine. Now, when God gives his life-giving sounds, what do we then receive from him like we've just said? We receive good things. We receive good things. That's the purpose and target of these sounds. 
God wants to deliver good, good things to you. Write this down. See, God has an abundance of goodness to give us through his life-giving sounds. God has an abundance of goodness to give us through his life-giving sounds. Mark, Matthew, can we put up Mark 10, 17 first? I don't have it here. Mark 10, 17, yeah. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Go on. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. Okay, let's leave that part, okay? So this young, this rich young ruler, this guy, he was in search of eternal life. True? Like really every other created being, atheists, people call themselves atheists, they were looking for life. But this guy knew something. He knows that this life he's looking for is good. True? Follow me. He knew life was good. So if life is good, then the source of that life must be good. Right? So he set out to look for this good person that could direct him to where he could get this life. He was looking for eternal life. But he didn't know where to go. He had no life-giving sounds to guide him. But he wanted this good thing. At least he knew, if I can find someone that is good, he will show me how to get this life. So he goes up to Jesus and calls him good teacher. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus shocks him with an answer. He first asks him, why do you call me good? There's only one that is good and is God. The two things we're going to look at there. First of all, he says, there's no one that is good except God. Write it down in your book. Write down, God is a good God. Write it down, God is a good God. After you write it, strike the A. Strike it or strike jaga it. And then write, God is the good God. God is a good God suggests there are other good gods. God is the good God suggests there's only one good God. If God is the good God, and this life we're looking for is good, it means God is the only source of this life. That is why you must not play with these sounds he's sending to you. So Jesus put that guy and said to him, why are you calling me good? God is the good God. But he said something before that. Why do you call me good? So what was he saying? Was he saying that he's not good? But he's the same one who told us in John 10, 10, that he came that he, we may have life and have it more abundantly. If he came to give us life, follow me, and life is good, then he must be good now. Do you agree? But why did he tell him, why do you call me good? Why was he rejecting the name good teacher? The guy said to him. Let us look at Matthew's version. Because when you read the same story in different versions, read very well. Because sometimes, you know, people will report 
different things based on what their senses pick up. I'm sure you know that here, yeah, well taught church. So Matthew, I believe it's 19, verse 17. So he said to him, no, 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 16 then. Yes, yes. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Do you see a difference from the Mark version? Who sees it? What's the difference? Huh? What good thing? Do you see a problem with that? It's very problematic. He didn't call Jesus good teacher out of revelation that Jesus was good. He wanted Jesus to show him the good things he did that made him good. So if Jesus would give him that checklist of the good things he did, he too could do those good things and get life. Good teacher, you are good. You've passed the exam of goodness. Because tell me the good things you did. And Jesus says to him, it's not by any good thing I did. There's no one good by nature except God. He was not denying that he was good. If anything, he was telling him, I am good and I am God too. Because at the end, he said to him, follow me. He didn't say follow God. Follow me. He wasn't denying his goodness. He was saying, you cannot receive this life by anything you do. Too many of us have slipped into works where we are taking off the good things we need to do to receive from God. If I just fast a bit more, if I increase my seed to a breakthrough battle axe seed, <laughs> now I've heard that one. You're laughing. The day I heard it, I almost cried. My seed has not become a battle-like seed. I need to give a deliverance offering. Are you Jesus? He was the deliverance offering. The minute you start ticking off things you need to do, you have slipped away from grace. All the sounds of Jesus, all the sounds of the Father are sounds of grace. You do not do anything to deserve God's goodness. It is such a thin line. But you see, what you see this man doing here is a fundamental foundation of religion. Religion is always looking for somebody who is good enough and close enough to God to take them there. What are the good things you did? I was listening to a testimony yesterday night, just refreshing myself. I go to Andrew Womack's healing journeys from time to time. I picked out one, I was watching it. And the lady was saying how she just was going through this cancer situation. And she began to, you know, listen to some healing journeys. And she began to meditate healing journeys and find out what each person did. And as she did that, she got worse. Then one day the Holy Spirit told her, these people are basically to inspire you not to give you an instruction manual. This one prayed this number of times. 
This one sowed a seed. No, that was their revelation. Get your own apocalypses. Be inspired by what they did, but you cannot have a checklist. And that's what this guy came to do to Jesus. Good teacher, what good thing can I do? Church, there's no good thing you can do to earn the goodness of God. The minute you think you can earn or qualify for life, earn or qualify for God's goodness, you miss it. You'll never get it. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. You will never hear the life-giving sounds from God and fully partake of the goodness of God. You can write this down. The minute you believe, you have to earn it. Hallelujah. Yeah. Minus one minute. <laughs> I couldn't resist that. <laughs> okay, where was I? <laughs> okay, write this down. Right, oh yeah, right now. Write this down. You will never hear the life-giving sounds from God and fully partake of the goodness of God. The minute you believe. You have to earn it and qualify for it. Amen. 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 You see, Jesus was basically telling him, I'm good by nature. It's nothing I have done to be good. That means, listen, God cannot teach you steps to be good outside of teaching you how to partake of his nature. God cannot and does not teach you ways to be good. That's religion. Outside of teaching you how to partake of his nature. The minute you partake and continue to partake of his nature, Good go come out. Good is the output of his nature. So Jesus trumped the guy's thinking. Don't be asking me what good thing I've done. There's no amount of goodness you can do that will make you good if you haven't taken in the nature of God. That's why somebody can take in God's nature and behave in a weird way 
and you start judging the person. They are renewing their mind with the word of God. And good will keep coming out of them. Amen. So you must take away the whole idea of what you need to do. Every sound from God is a sound of grace. And it will require nothing else from you other than your faith. To believe an apocalypse, you have to just have faith. When a prophet comes out and begins to prophesy, you can't see it, you can't see anything. It's just your faith. You just have to believe it. Amen. So we've, we've established several things. First, every sound is what? Distinct and different. Second, God communicates his sounds to us. How? Forming ways. Third, God has an abundance of goodness to give us through these sounds. He's a good God. He's the good God. Now, hmm. if he is the good God, Jesus' manifesto was life. He's good. Why is it why is it that some of us still cannot see that God is the good God? Write this down, D. The good God's character, the good God's good character has been assassinated. And religion has therefore linked evil and thus death with him. Some religious spirits are going to pack their load and leave this place today. These truths are going to make them so uncomfortable they will be delivered from your body, from your mind. This good God's good character, this good God, he's so good, he's the good God, He's the only reference point for good. Yet, this is good character has been assassinated. And this is good character we have seen is linked to life. Because of the assassination, this the good God, the one and only Obonge good God, has now been linked with death and evil. You see how? I'll show you how. What is character assassination? When you take somebody's character and you slander them, you turn it around, you say they're who they are not. Most times you say that they come up with every pastor in the house has experienced this. It's part of our ministry. Some of us, they carry more than others. But every pastor has uh, collected. <laughs> character killing. It happens to believers as well. Pastors, they carry on pasture. God's, God, God is also a victim of character assassination. You say, ah, the good God, how can we assassinate his character? I'll tell you. Some of us have a view of God. Now, let me tell you why it's important we, we, we eradicate these things. Because we've said that this good God is the source of life. 
and is constantly speaking to us through life-giving sounds. And he wants us to hear it. But if we trace back and we don't believe the source is good, we never hear what he's telling us. So it's important you establish the source that is good. But we think God is some small-minded, petty, angry, schizophrenic. You are laughing. You don't know you believe that. Some of us here, some of us watching online, we believe it. God is so petty that that sin of your great-grandfather, he can't drop it. The blood of Jesus was not enough. Your grandfather, you now quote, he has visited it to all the generations. He still follow us, follow our children. Then you put some crooks in business forever. You continue to maintain the business of certain false prophets. They will keep taking you to the village and digging up things that don't exist. Because in your mind, God is so petty, he cannot let go of what your great-grandfather did. He's still visiting you and your children. God craves your attention so much that when you take your eyes off him and get distracted, you'll just be angry. Uh-uh. Am I not God again? Why are you not paying attention to me? Or you're Satan, borrow me cancer. <laughs> what is that? Borrow me cancer now. What, do you, what is that? If you don't borrow me, I will create it myself. Oh. Borrow me cancer. Oh, yeah, collect. Cancer. Hey, God. Hey, now you're paying attention to me. God gave me the sickness to bring me back to him. How can you ever hear a life-giving sound from him? First of all, he's self-sufficient God. He does not borrow anything. And even if he wants to borrow, he's cancer he will borrow. Try now. You might think about all the things you think. Brother, how are you doing? He said, it's okay. At least since this challenge started, I've been praying more. <laughs> I, I really got distracted. I think God wanted my attention. Shut up. You don't know he's the good God. So you cannot hear from him. You've come to church year in, year out, year in, year out, but you are deaf to his sounds because you doubt the source. In your family, you people are not too serious. So you will just collect one child there and just kill the child. Then when the child now dies, to test your loyalty and submission to the will of God. Then you say, in submission to the will of God, we announce the death of our eight-year-old son. This family will still stand loyal to God, and God will say, hey, I don't see one on my side now, I don't see him. I don't kill one of your children, you are still with me. That's what you believe. When you make such rubbish religious statements. And by doing that, you're putting wax in your ears. Wax. Prophets are coming, prophesying. Teachers are coming, giving you doctrine. People are encouraging you. 
giving you information is blocking because you don't trust the source. You believe that God's sovereignty is schizophrenia. He wakes up one day. Like I said, I never mind this world, say I'll be good. <laughs> uh-uh. They are just behaving anyhow. They don't know that me create them. Oh yeah, which aeroplane I go collect? <laughs> Angels, target down. <laughs> Bring it down, the whole world will shake. I know say I'm good. The plane will come down. It's a sovereign God. He's sovereign. You don't kill 200 people. <laughs> so we know say be God. You don't trust the source. You can't receive from him. When you don't have answer to something, like I always say, enter the ministry of shut up. <laughs> enter, it's a very lovely ministry. Tell your friend, ministry of waiting, shut up. Shut up and praise God. Give no explanation. The person die, he die. You are alive, be alive and live for God. But you begin to defend God, explain, actually God is sovereign. He just wanted to kill those people, let him kill them. God is the good God. He's the, 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 also Nyama, the good God. There is nobody else that is good but God. He is good and he does good. You are good and you do good. It's in the Bible. It is not good to kill a child at eight years old. Whatever circumstance. Don't tell me how you prayed. It's okay. You prayed. The child died. Lift your hands. Praise God and move on. God did not kill your child. My God. That God. I know God serve him. God will just see vex one day calling my picking and no go serve him. I no do. I want a God I can rely on. I want a God I can count on. I want a God who is consistently good. Then I can come boldly to hear his life-giving sounds. So no matter how Excuse my language. I don't like to use this word. Mind-blowing, the prophecy is. There's capacity to receive it because I trust God. I begin to check and weigh the prophecy if there's already doubt as to who God is. I know the worst part. The people assassinating God's character it's not Satan and his cohorts it's not unbelievers, it's us it's believers it's pastors when you pray for somebody publicly and the person dies and you want to protect your anointing (laughs) and defend your anointing you will now check for who to blame Say, but pastor, <laughs> I was there when you prayed for that child in church. During that healing service, pastor, two days later, the child died. 
What happened, Pastor? I don't know. Finish. And then I enter ministry of what? Shut up. I don't know. Instead, uh uh-uh. Pastor, pray for your child. Say, my child, there are things you will never understand. Actually, God needed another angel to sing in heaven. We must accept the will of God. What will? The fundamental frequency. The fundamental frequency. The fundamental frequency of every sound from God is life. The fundamental frequency. The fundamental frequency of every sound from God is The fundamental frequency, the fundamental frequency of every sound from God is God has no business with sickness except to heal it. God has no business with lack except to supply for it. God has no business with demons, except to show you you are delivered from them. All these things are life. If God steps into a situation, he brings life. Let us stop assassinating God's character. When we stop doing that, in all sincerity, the wax will leave our ears. The harmonics of miracles will follow us faster. We trust the source and know that God is good. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Acts 20, 32 says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of his grace and not the word of your works, which is able to build you up. Everybody say, build you up. That's the word oikodomio. And it means to be like a house builder, to construct, to confirm, to build, to edify. Every life-giving sound from God builds you up, constructs you, confirms things he has told you before. That's what you came to Wafbeck to do, to be built up. No sound from God will curse you. I repeat. No sound from God will curse you. No sound. No matter how anointed the man of God is, no matter how many titles he carries, like we say in Queen's College, backs. I don't care about your titles. You curse me, you're not from God. I beat back. I don't tell me what I did to you. You curse me, you are not from God. Be an archbishop, be a bishop, be whatever you call yourself. You don't have a right to curse me. Too many people are in places they should not be for fear of being cursed. On Friday, we'll talk about living, living where you are. Some people should leave, some of you watching online. You know where you are, you're supposed to go with a fear curse. They're there. Then are the biggest curse. You will never fulfill purpose under that person. And you know it. 
What your eye is seeing is not God. But if you go, he will curse you. Stay there. Not a bank, stay there. Don't go. I've talked to a man of God recently. He was literally shaking when I told him that guy has no right to curse you. His ministry had not moved because he eventually left where he was and the man of God cursed him. And he left with that curse in his mind. So he wasn't expecting ministry to grow. I said, nobody started ministry. And they became 100 people in the first 30 minutes. <laughs> it does not mean you are cursed. It just means you are growing. Remove that cursed mentality. That day was like demon left him. Because the man cursed him. What right does the guy, who, who are you? No sound from God will tear you down. No sound from God will kill you. No sound from God will curse you. No sound from God should give you an inferiority complex. No sound from God should break you down. God is in the business of oikodomio. He's the good God. He's the good God. The church needs to know him. We need to know him. He's all about good. Nothing else. I'm bold to say this because I know him as my good God. There are things that have happened in my life I did not understand. When my father, my only father in the Lord, when he went to heaven, yeah, it was serious opportunity to ask questions. But that same man taught me what I'm teaching you now. So I couldn't ask any questions. I just praise God for his legacy. Praise God for the decades he had poured into me. It's 10 years now. I thanked God and we moved on. So you, you have opportunities to doubt him. You have opportunities. The question is if you know him. Somebody can come and tell my husband, uh, we saw your wife. Like I was telling them in church recently, the woman tell me, we went to a club, we saw a mecca, three women went up of his lap dancing. In fact, it was your husband. I said, it was not my husband. I said, yeah, I deny. No, I'm not in denial. I know my husband. Three women. <laughs> I know my mecca very well. I'm the only dancer he needs. <laughs> I, I will piss my chest, says anyhow. When, when he held challenge, reward my body, he was still hungering for me. As I was looking as I was, he was still hungering for me. Nobody saying that God don't restore me. You tell me that three women dancing on him. It's okay, I, we have his picture. We videoed it, keep it. I don't need to see it. It's not my husband. This is my, you're in denial. Like, uh-huh. That's how you should do your God. Even if Satan enter, collect something from you, God is the restorer. But you can't receive his restoration if you accuse him. His office as restorer, you paralyze it. Because you've put him in the witness box. You're accusing him. Meanwhile, he's ready to restore. 
And when he restores, it's better than what you lost. But we're missing it because we're accusing him. Glory be to Jesus. Last point. At this point, you my extra time for trouble. So, I suppose you see why it was important? I collected my time. I can enter my last point now. E. People, people used to bring out some things inside me. I don't like it. I'm a very good guy. A very holy man of God. Can you not see my color? Oh, yeah, I'll be serious now. My time is good. E. There may be many sounds, and I love this. Many sounds going out, but there is a sound of life specifically for you to hear. Glory be to God. There is a sound for you, and a sound for you, and a sound for you. And as you're coming to work back all these days, all the sessions, there will be a sound for you. It might be in a joke, it might be in a comment, it might be in a prophecy, it might be in an anecdote. There is a sound for you. Yes. Glory. Hallelujah. When the Holy Spirit fell, they all began to speak in other tongues. And they said, how is it that we're hearing each one of us in our own language? Sondibo, we're hearing Ibo. Yoruba, we're hearing Yoruba. French, we're hearing French. That means that the French people, when the Ibobu spoke, they did not understand. But there was a sound for them. Church, there is a sound for you. You didn't hear me. There is a sound for you. There is a prophecy just for you. There is a revelation that will change your life. There is some instruction you will get from the word of God in these meetings. That will completely turn your life around. First Corinthians fourteen ten says, "There are it may be so many kinds of languages." The message says, "And they all mean something to someone." They all mean something to someone. Thank you, Jesus. If you're barren, you've been called barren. There is a sound for you today. You've been unemployed for so long, you're now almost getting used to being unemployed. There's a sound for you. Amen. Your marriage is in topsy-turvy, complete mess. Your relationship is upside down. There is a sound for you. God is speaking. God loves to speak to his children. God is still speaking to his children. And we're hearing, we're discerning, we're trusting his nature. We know who he is. There is a specific sound for you. Pastor Tony, there's a sound for you. Kelechi, there's a sound just for you. For you and for each person. My sound may not be your sound, but there is a sound. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands to him. Tell me, Lord, my ears are open. My ears are open. I'll keep listening. I'll keep listening. Somebody touch the keyboard, please. I'll keep listening. I believe there's a sound just for me. You are my father. I'm not a bastard. I'm your child. And I hear you. 
Jesus, you spoke with confidence. You said that your sheep hear your voice. And they follow you. Your people here hear your voice. They hear your voice. From every anointed speaker you've brought to this conference, we hear your voice. We hear your life-giving sounds. We receive life from you. We testify that you are the good God. We are confident, even in situations we don't understand. Our testimony will not waver with the weather. You are the good God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody is getting healed of a vaginal discharge. It's a peppery discharge. More of what Beck is online than here physically. So if you're here, just receive it. If you're online, receive it. Some man with an erectile dysfunction, there's a sound for you today. That is fixed from the root in the name of Jesus Christ. God says, tell someone who's watching, put that child down and let them walk. You know what that means. You know what that means. Put that child down and let them begin to walk. Put that child down and let them begin to walk. Somebody else, a knee condition. God says, kneel down and solve it. It's gone. In the name of Jesus Christ, there is a sound for you to hear. There's a lady who's been bleeding in clots and clumps, and that's the way it comes out. Clots and clumps. From the roots, we curse that condition. That's a life-giving sound to you. And that's the end of that condition in the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. Glory, lift your hands to him. Lift your hands to him. Lift your hands to him. A very bad ulcer is gone. It's not just an ulcer, it's a very bad one. Go home and eat what you couldn't eat before. Kidney stones are out. In the name of Jesus Christ, there is a sound for you to hear. And as harmonics, harmonics of this life-giving sounds, harmonics of revelation of our healing in Christ Jesus, harmonics of prophecies that have come forth, healings are taking place. Lift your hands and glorify him. Father, we worship you. Open your mouth and worship him. You don't have to wait for your case to be called. You don't have to wait for your case to be called. You don't have to wait for your case to be called. Just worship him. Worship him, please. Please worship him. Worship him, please. Worship him. Worship him. A woman with a breast lump, it's gone in the name of Jesus. Worship him. Worship him, it's gone. It's gone completely. That lump is gone in the name of Jesus. Worship him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Before I take my seat, 
There's a word for a lady who was raped. The good God says to tell you he had nothing to do with it. But he says tell you something else, that you had nothing to do with it. If you're a member of this church, you should talk to your pastor. If you're not a member of this church, talk to your pastor, wherever he is. Or you can reach out to me. He wants you to know you were raped. And you believe that you had something to do with it. He says to tell you, he had nothing to do with it. And you too had nothing to do with it. Lift your hands and worship him.